Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings. And welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom and Faith. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author, Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people, past and present, black and white, who, with faith and focus, are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. Hi, this is Kymie. Do I have Fiata on the line? Saida Garrett is here. How are you? Hi, Saida. I'm so sorry. I done tore your name up from left to right. I was like, how are you? It happens every day. I know. How are you? I... I'm painfully fabulous. You know. uh, okay, well, as in any anniversary of the death of someone you love, it's, uh, it's a very sad and reflective day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of him constantly, like even when I'm not in the mood uh, or have any desire to, to think of him, I'll be shopping somewhere and this music will come on the, over, the, you know, over the system in the store or I'll be uh, at a signal waiting for the light to change and someone will pull up next to me and his voice will be coming through the radio and it's like he's everywhere. He is he permeates my entire life and I didn't realize how pervasive his energy and his being and his uh, uh his creative legacy, all the music that he left behind, all the videos and all the all the visuals that he created for us to enjoy are still alive and, and, and still move people. That is so true. And I remember where I was when I heard the sad news. Can you tell us where you were and what you were doing? Yeah, it was it was really weird because uh, uh, I, I knew Michael to uh, have an issue. Uh, sometimes there were things that he didn't want to do, but he couldn't, like, uh, back out of it, so he had to do it. And I think uh, that... The day he passed, there was some issue about there was an ambulance going to his house and there's some drama, but but I never thought of it as something serious. So I I, I was on the phone with the bass player from the from the tour, and we were laughing. We were, oh, here we go. You know, uh, I guess Michael doesn't want to do whatever. I don't know. Whatever. We were laughing. We were hysterical. And then his wife called in. So he said, "It's my wife. Let me call you right back." He hung up the phone. I hung up the phone and finished washing dishes, whatever I was doing. The phone rang again, and I had been listening. As soon as I hung up with him, I turned on the radio. And during the time where he was talking to his wife and I was waiting for him to call me back, he called and told me what was happening at the same time as I was hearing it on the radio, and we both just started bawling. We went from laughing hysterically to bawling our eyes out and just, like, rehashing memories of the tour and our, our recent memories of Michael, and we were just... It was the, it was like um, it was the greatest balance of happiness and sadness in the shortest amount of time that I've ever experienced. What is your earliest memory of Michael Jackson? 
Yeah, well, when I was his age, uh, well, when I was his age, when when I was uh, younger, when he was first starting out with the Jackson Five and the Jacksons, and I watched the cartoons, I bought the, you know, bought all the singles and the records, and the watched uh, later I watched all the videos, and and I just he permeated my life as he as he does to this day, and uh, my earliest memories of him are, you know, uh, I I'm in a, I belong to a family of mostly girls. So um, I remember growing up, all my cousins, you know, we all uh, had, you know, one of the Jacksons was our favorite uh, uh, artist. And I remember that my cousins had, you know, Jermaine as her husband, and uh, my sister had one of the Jacksons as her husband, and Michael was my husband, right? So, okay. <laughs> so got to, you know, 20-plus years, 25, whatever years later, and um I finally got a chance to speak with him on the phone because of, the, of a song that the Man in the Mirror, the song I wrote for him. And I remember in that moment, all my childhood memories of Michael being like my husband. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, this 13 year old girl is talking to her childhood husband. Oh my God, I'm just internally screaming, just going, oh my God. <laughs> so excited. But on the phone, mm-mm, strictly AT&T. Serious business on the phone, right? So okay. those are those are pretty much my earliest memories of. He was everywhere. He was. I grew up with him every day. I grew up with him every day, watching the cartoons, listening to the music, hearing him on the radio, watching him on television. You know, because at that time, weren't too many uh, people of color on TV. So every time one of us was anywhere, we were on it. So I remember. Yeah. Uh, didn't he come on right behind Soul Train and? Yes. Yes. And the Cosby Saturday show Saturday was, morning, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I remember those good old days. And we was, we didn't know how special he was. We knew he was special to us, but at that time we didn't know that he was going to be as special as he became to be to to the world. How did you create that song? How did it come about? Uh, I was signed as a recording artist to Quincy Jones's record label. And with that deal came a publishing deal, a songwriting deal, and I wasn't a songwriter, so I wasn't really interested in that part of the deal. Uh, and I was signed as a, a, in a group, two other guys and me. I think it was two. I think it was three of us, yeah. Maybe four. I can't remember now. So uh, we were signed. The, the deal only, like our record deal only lasted a year, you know, and then uh, the guys were dropped. Uh, and I was re-signed as a songwriter the following year, and, and with that deal came my recording artist deal. And the guys were dropped from the label, so I continued to write songs. And um, uh, Quincy had a meeting at his house, like uh, maybe about six months or so before he finished the Bad Album. And he said, "You know, we're." Uh, he was talking to a, a small group of songwriters that were in LA that he'd signed at the time. It was like six of us or something like that. And he said, uh, "You know, uh, we've been in the studio." for a long time, a couple of years with Michael, and we're trying to finish this record, and we need one more song. And he kind of gave us the parameters of the song that he was looking for. And uh, I took notes, and then I called my my writing partner, Glenn Ballard, and I said, well, since he's finishing this Michael work, do you want to, you know, want to try and write a song for it? And he was like, uh, yeah, let's, yeah, let's do that. Let's uh, see what we come up with. So I'm at his house on Wednesday afternoon, and... Uh, tell him all the, about the meeting, and we. He says, "Okay, well, let's let's get started." So he gets up from his chair and he goes over to his keyboard, 
uh, in a studio, and uh, I'm sitting on the floor with my notebook, my pencil, my cassette recorder, and my lyric book. And so he gets up and he goes over to the keyboard to turn it on. And in turning it on, he starts to play just to get some sounds out, right? So I'm flipping through my lyric book, cut to two years earlier. I was in a writing session with a, with an amazing jazz pianist named John Beasley, and we were writing, serious into our, our writing session, and the phone rings. And instead of letting the machine pick it up, he picks up the phone and starts this benignly casual conversation. Oh, nothing, I'm just, you know, I'm just here. And I'm going, I'm flipping through my book going, no, he didn't just say, oh, I'm just here. I'm not doing nothing. And I'm just seething, flipping through my book. And he's on the phone, and he says, oh, yeah, the man? What man? Oh, the man in the mirror. I wrote down the phrase, man in the mirror. Two years later, I'm at Glenn's house. He gets up, he starts playing, just to get some sounds on the keyboard. At that moment, the phrase, man in the mirror, popped out at me, and in that instant, I could not write the lyrics fast enough. I couldn't, I couldn't get it out. I was holding up an imaginary stop sign to Glenn with my hand, like, stop, just, just a minute, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. I couldn't write it fast enough. And every time I tell the story, I get goosebumps because the feeling comes back. And I'm writing as feverishly as I could. And in like 10 minutes, 12 minutes, we had the first verse and the chorus of the song. And then Glenn said, well, let me, you know, let me finish the track, and you go and finish the lyric. It's Wednesday, so let's just come back on Friday and do the demo. So Friday afternoons on 3 o'clock, we do the demo. We're done at like 6.30, 7 o'clock. Quest Music Publishing is closed for the weekend. It's Friday at, at 7 o'clock. So I don't want to wait till Monday to turn in the song and then have Quincy get back to me when he, whenever he did. You know, I, I didn't want to go through that. So I called him and I said, Q, Glenn and I have written this song for Michael, and I really, I really just want you to hear it. And he says, Well, I'm in a meeting right now. I got, you know, 12 people sitting at my, at my in my dining room. I, I can't. So why don't you just drop it off at the at the office on Monday? I'm like, Quincy, I can't. I, I can't. I could tell I was frustrating with uh, frustrating him because he knew he had to get back to these people at his dining room table, and he's on the phone arguing with me about how he can't see me right now, and I'm arguing with him, but, but I don't want to see you. I just want to give you this. Just let me go. And he was like, all right, shit. And he hung up. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I go to his house, and I knock on the door. Housekeeper opens up the door, and she, she goes to get Quincy. He opens the dining room door, which is uh, uh, across the foyer from the, from the front door. The dining room door is open, and inside I see 12 suits sitting around his dining room table, and they are looking at their watches. And then looking at me like, what the hell? What now? You know, like, what is she doing? We're, we're, you know, we're, we're handling some big business here. Why is she, you know? So they're looking at their watches, angry at me that I'm interrupting this meeting. And Quincy uh, takes the cassette, and I said, Keith, the only thing I ask, the only thing is that you just let me know, you know, one way or the other, just let me know as soon as you can. Just let me, he said, he's like, all right, shit. And he closed the front door. So I go home. And I'm chilling in my kitchen, making dinner or whatever it is I'm doing. And he goes, uh, this is like two or three hours later. He says, Sid, this is the best song I've heard in 10 years. And I'm, and, and I'm going, yes, yes, yes. And then he says, but 
And you know how um, when Charlie Brown's teacher talks to him and he knows that she's talking to him, but all you hear is like, wah, 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 wah. that's kind of like what I was hearing, everything after the word but, you know? <laughs> right, right. I heard him say something about We've been recording, you know, we've been in the studio every day for almost two years. Michael has yet to record a song he didn't write, blah, 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 blah. He said, don't worry, though. If we don't do it on my on this record with Michael, I will do it on my next record, Back on the Block with uh, James Ingram. And I love James. But come on now. Michael Jackson, James Ingram, come on. So I said, ah, all right, whatever, you know. I had to let it go. Uh, well, I can later, see why, I, I can see why you're at excellent writer because you tell a wonderful story and Kymie is on the line but I don't want her to interrupt your story but I just want you to know she's on the line so she's going to take over from here please resume so you had to choose between Ingram and Michael Jackson go ahead yeah that was the option you know Quincy said if Michael doesn't like it or doesn't want to record it then don't worry I love the song I'll do it on my record with James Ingram I'm like okay whatever so a couple weeks so make, a week or so later, I get this call, and Quincy says to me, um, uh, we in the studio recording your old piece of song, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yay, yay. And then he says, but. And then again, I don't want to hear what comes after but, because I'm still relishing in the fact that he is in the studio with Michael Jackson recording my song. I just want to live in that for a moment. Let me just have that for a moment. Let me just take that in. But, and, and he was saying, but Michael has a... Michael thinks the chorus is too short. He he wants four more lines for the. And he says, hold, hold on a minute. And then I hear. And then Quincy says, and Michael says, you really, you really got to bring the the story home. You really got to. Hold on. And then I hear. And Quincy says, hold on, Sid. And he hands the phone to my childhood husband. Okay. So Michael gets on the phone, and he says, hi. And I go, hi. And he goes, uh, I love your voice, and I love this song. Okay, like like I was telling, uh, uh, I think her name was Leslie. I, I said to her, pardon? You were here. I'm here. Okay. Yeah, I said, uh, uh, the moment I heard his voice, every childhood memory of him being, you know, my boyfriend, my husband, uh, uh, came flooding back to me, and internally I am screaming, "Oh my God!" I was a complete end, right? But on the phone, mm-mm, strictly AT and T. Hello, how can I help you? Right? <laughs> so he says, "You know, I love your voice. I love this song, and I just think that the 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 chorus is uh, is." Four lines too short. We need four more lines and blah blah. So he begins to tell me what he what he would like to to be said in these next four lines, and I don't know where I got the audacity to have this thought. The moment he said he needed four more lines, all I could think of is if he writes them, then he'll be a third writer on this song. I mean, I love the fact that he's doing it, recording it for his record, but I, if I have an option, I don't necessarily want him to be your writer on the song. So, which, which lines did you add on the song? This is Kymie, by the way. I don't know if you know if I'm back hi. on. Hi. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, the original chorus was, if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. That was it. 
I wrote six different stanzas for the second half. And the one that ended up is, of course, you got to get it right while you got the time, because if you close your heart, then you close your mind. And that's what he ended up recording. Okay. Okay, and as a writer as a, uh, uh, for publishing rights, you get the credit for that all the way through the times, correct? Which is what most writers want to do. Well, as an unknown, un, uh, I wasn't even a songwriter when I, when I met Quincy. I had no track record. I had no, no singles that I'd written and were recorded. I had nothing. So uh, when I was offered the uh, publishing deal, it was all-inclusive. I owned my writer's share and Quincy owned the publishing. That was the deal. I, I'd been signed okay. to him for two and a half years before I'd written anything, and he was still paying me for two and a half years. Okay. So uh, uh, I, I, Glenn and I split the writer's share, and uh, I'm sure Glenn splits the publishing with whoever he was signed to at the time, and uh, we uh, that's that's how it ended up being. Uh, which is, which is song, fine because it, it was it just... Put you on the map at that point. Baby, I'm trying to tell you. I went so being, so that that was just. I mean, some people will lose deals because they would now. Usually, at, right at the point when the deal's about to happen, and people say, "Okay, now I'm here. No, I want to change the original agreement," and they blow the whole situation. But no. you know, you were wise enough to say, "Uh-uh, this is so much bigger." Then yeah, well, Chris and I were friends, and I, I I didn't even go that far in my mind. All I knew was. I don't want to make him mad. I don't want to have him upset with me, and then I won't be privy to anything. He, you know, he won't invite right. me into anything. So I just, How did you I meet just, Quincy? Because you call him Q. Only his friend's friends call him Q. <laughs> so you are I his friend's friends. I've known him for many years, and uh, he, he introduced me to the world as a as a songwriter, you know. So I, I, I forgot the question. As soon as I started talking, I forgot the question. How did you meet Q? Oh, it was an open uh, cattle call. Uh, you know, Music Connection magazine had a, inter- uh, 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 a notice that said, you know, Quincy Jones is looking for singers. He really wanted, he told me later, that he was looking for the new Fifth Dimension, or the new Manhattan transfer. He wanted five people to, you know, both guys and girls, and he wanted that to be like the new thing. What he was really looking for was take six, but they hadn't been discovered yet because that's the sound that he was trying to create with this group that we had. So that's how I met him, and he told me that uh, like over 800 people showed up that, uh, that day, and the night before, I didn't even know about it. I got a call from a the boyfriend of a girlfriend of mine who was also a singer, but she did not tell me about the audition. She told her boyfriend, and her boyfriend thought that I should go. So he called me that uh, that night, and he said, you know, Quincy's having these auditions, and, you know, uh, my girl is going, so I thought this would be good for you, too. So he didn't know what time it started. He just knew where it was. So since I didn't have a time, I was in line at 7 a.m. It was me and two other people. By noon, the line was around the block. Wow. So so I'm in this building at SIR uh, uh, to, to they were having this orientation, all these people, and there was a, a conference table, and on the table were five, uh, five sheets of paper where you sign your name and the time. You got in 10-minute intervals, 
uh, with a with an hour break for lunch for five for the next five days, and I'm thinking, I'm here now, I'm ready to audition now, I'm doing it now. So uh, once he told me that because I was seen very very early on, I told you I was number three, because I was seen very early on, they ended up basing a lot of other performances on mine. So I kind of set the bar. Right. And and uh, I was really happy about that because uh, it gave me a, a distinct advantage. And um, I auditioned, and then over the past, for the next, I don't know, nine months, I would get these letters. Congratulations, you're one of 500 for the Quincy Jones, blah, 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 blah. A couple months later, congratulations, we're down to 250, you're still in the running, blah, blah, blah. Congratulations, it's 100. Congratulations, we're down to 50 people. Congratulations, it's 25 people. Congratulations, nine people. Congratulations, five people. You want to fuck? And so it was five of us, four of us. Ended up being four of us over nine months. During that time, at the auditions, there were tons of traditional songwriters like um, Barry Mann and Cynthia Weil, who wrote Through the Fire for Shaka. Uh, 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 Franny Goldie and and Dennis Lambert, who wrote "Don't Look Any Further" for for Dennis Edwards, just 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 uh, lots and lots of songwriters were in the building, and Quincy was also recording Patty Austin's album, so all these songwriters were submitting songs to Quincy for Patty, and because I was this new demo singer that they met at the auditions, I was singing everybody's everybody's demos. And Quincy kept hearing my voice. Every time a songwriter turned in a song, I would be the lead singer. He, he'd ask his, his, um, the people around him, who's this, who's this? And always, every time they answered him, that's Aida, that's Aida, that's Aida, that's Aida, wow, you know. So my name kept coming up. And right. because I met Dennis Lambert and Franny Goldie at those auditions, I did a demo for Don't Look Any Further. So it was and almost that, like you were an overnight success in many in many veins of, of thinking. I mean, you kind of so, yeah, underground, the yeah. right situation, underground. right time, yeah. you know, yeah. I, and be, that's what it looks like right there. But I'm sure before you got to that point, years before you even met Q, as you state, and you were doing things and writing things, but from the moment you met and went on that first audition, it, it was like a nine-month span, and you were just – and then you were put with Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah. That's, sort of that's like everything. almost unheard yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. I was I was very, very blessed to be in the right place at the right time without even knowing. If that man hadn't called me and said, by the way, you know, my girl is going to these auditions tomorrow, you should go. If he hadn't made that call, <laughs> I don't know where my life would be right now. I'd probably be somewhere going – uh, can I file that for you? You know, some shit like that. I don't know. It right. Would be ridic- it would be ridiculous. So when you um, when you wrote um um when you did the song I just can't stop loving you. What was going on in your life? Was there something more meaningful? Was there something more um a, a more meaning behind the song than the surface? Well, uh, uh, the song came to me because a few days before we it recorded it, we were in the studio. Uh, recording this choir for Man in the Mirror, right? And we spent the, the whole day recording all the vocals for the song. It's really a duet between Michael and I until the choir comes in, because every voice you hear, who am I, do they like, all the all the, uh, the choruses and all the uh, harmonies, it's just me and Michael until the choir comes in at the end. 
So right. who was, so the, was whole, it like? A, what kind of choir was it? A name choir or just you had people it was in the background? Andre Clark's Andre choir. He brought okay. in like you know sixteen twenty people. Okay. Oh, that was a that was a powerful day. Oh, all the voices. I'm sure. Oh, it was amazing. It was so amazing. So we spent you know uh, the whole day doing that, and at the end of the day we weren't finished. So. Uh, he called me back two days later, and I'm thinking I'm going to the studio to finish the recording. And so I walk in, and there's nobody in the studio. The last time I was in the studio, was, like I said, it was 20 singers and Quincy and Bruce Ledeen, the engineer, and just, it was tons of people. So I go in a few days later, and it's nobody. It's me, Quincy, uh, Bruce Ledeen, the engineer, and Michael. And I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe they're running behind. I don't know. So I'm sitting in the, in, the, in a chair behind the, the uh, console where Quincy and Bruce and Michael are sitting, and I'm just sitting in the chair knitting, you know, waiting for, you know, me to be up. I don't know. So I'm knitting, and Quincy sort of talks to me over his shoulder and says, Sid, uh, you like this song? And, I'm, and I sort of listen to the song for a moment. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He said, uh, can you sing it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, well, well, go on in there and see what you can do. Michael, go on in there. Oh, Lord, I'm going into the studio, and Michael is following me, and I see, once we get inside the studio, I see two music stands, and on each stand are, is a music sheet, and on the music sheet, it said, it said uh, I just can't stop loving you, Michael, Saida, Michael, Saida. And at that moment, when I looked at the music sheet with our names on it, that was the instant that I knew, oh, my God, I'm doing a duet with Michael Jackson. Oh, my okay, God. Okay, hold on. You go, you're going too fast. That wasn't the first time you met him, though, right? Or, no, right. no. Right. No, because I met, met him a few days before. Yes. Okay, so I met him a few days right. before at the, at the, when we recorded the choir. Yes. I was with him okay. earlier that day where we recorded everything up to where the choir comes in. Okay, so we recorded this time the whole it was just with, a little bit more intimate because it wasn't as many people. It, no, no, no. When the choir came, Michael and I was were done. Michael went, and Michael disappeared. Okay. And so I was downstairs with with all these people and and the choir, and he was he was gone. He was not in the studio recording with the choir. Okay. Okay. So my question is, when you you you. First, were excited, but you were calm on the phone. Mm-hmm. But you were in, inside. You was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" Okay, so you had that, and then when you first were Met were him. in the room with okay. Michael Jackson, okay. what did you feel? And what did you do? I did not want to be a sycophant. I did not want to be <laughs> that I'd seen girls do when they met him my whole life. I did not want to be that. And I knew that would be some different shit for him. So right. I was just about trying something different. So, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I met him and he was, you know, he he was just a guy. And the beauty, this is the most beautiful thing that I discovered about him. He made, he has the ability to make you feel like he has as much to learn from you as you do from him. Wow. Wow. And that was a that was a real a gift that he gave me because I'm like oh my god this is which Jackson. on some level is true because he's obviously open to learning who you are so that you guys could have a collaboration in music and sometimes yeah, if you close there's no harmony and no vibeness but if I true. sit here and I'm open and I'm listening to you to learn you then guess what I'm kind of 
feel in your spirit, which brings me to your name. Does your name, what does your name mean? Is there a, a meaning behind your name? Yeah, it's a Persian name, an Arabic name, and I was given it to mean shining and star-like. That was the, that was the, the uh, definition of my name that I was given. But Persians that I've met all over the world along the way have told me my name means everything from happy to smiling or something like that. But it, it was the same thing to me. So I, I kept it, and I love it. Shining and starlight. Yes, ma'am. Which which is not a question in my mind of how it relates to when you met Q, and then nine months later you're in the studio with Michael Jackson. Girl, you know what? I didn't even think about that. I didn't. I've never thought about that till you just said it. Oh, that's all. Your names have a meaning behind all of them. That's all right. Why you have to watch what you call yourself and how you name and your what you call your kids. kids. That's what right. You, right. That's right. That's right. So that, I was just curious about your name because it's so different <clears throat> and it just matches. I mean, how many people do can you say woke up, met Quincy, was in the studio? That's just a holy a handful full of people that have, can do that. Have done that. <laughs> I guess you're right. I'm glad to right? be one of them. What is your actual birth name? Deborah. Deborah. Which is okay. a, which is a, a beautiful name, but yeah. no one ever called me Deborah. It was Debbie and Deb and Dee and Deborah. It was never Deborah, which is my name. So, right. And then I looked it up one day, and it's Hebrew, and it means the bee. So I went to my mother. I said, Ma, uh, Hebrew. B as in Bumble? Like, what? What? So at 13, she allowed me to change my name because I couldn't stand it. And at, at one point, <clears throat> she once we decided that... Um, once she decided that uh, I, I really had a problem with the name, and I, she let me choose the name uh, as a gift to, to get me out of public school and send me to a Muslim school... I was hating the idea, and he said, "Well, she said, well, if you if you change your name, then I'll let you. Then you can not go to public school. You can if, if you go to this school, I will let you change your name. That was it. And so I said, yeah, and that was it. So from 13, whenever someone would call me, if they didn't call me Saida, I didn't hear. Well, you know what's interesting is the first name to be. You took it as a bumblebee. But if you put it together, it's to be shining a starlight. Oh my God! No matter how you put the name, what's meant for you is meant for you. You go right. Girl, so, right. but sometimes that's you don't right. catch that. You think of a bumblebee flying around, but I see it in a whole different light. But um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The meaning of the name Deborah means the bee, lover of the sweet things in life. See, I told my mother. I said, "What's wrong with that?" Right. Nothing wrong with that. And, and I said, she was like, you, there's, there's more than just sweet things in life. You can't just love only the sweet things. I'm like, what? I never right. understood now, why now, I what, couldn't so do were that. Were you a Muslim? Were you a Muslim? We became, was that your religion? Yeah. Okay. At 13, my mother, you know, found this man that she really decided she wanted to be with her. He was uh, Muslim. He was FOI, Fruit of Islam. So that's how uh, Islam was introduced to me. Okay. Okay, and and Michael was Jehovah Witness, or was did he have did he go and study Muslim history or something? I thought he had some connection with that because it just seems like the connection between you two is even more deeper on a spiritual level. 
Well, I didn't, I didn't know that he even had any idea about Islam. And then when I went to the funeral, like, FOI, was, I was sitting literally the next row, one seat over from Minister Farcon. So See? that's when I, and, and all his security was, at the end, it was all, you know, FOI. Exactly. So I didn't know that when I met him. I had no idea. But he had just, uh, when we were recording a, when we recorded Man in the Mirror, I spent a whole week with him because we then did the duet in three languages, English, French, and Spanish. So I spent like a week with him all day, every day, having lunch. And, but, you know, we were all hanging in the studio just doing our thing for a week. And I knew then that this was a really special time. So I was, I was in the moment. I was enjoying every second and loving it. And how has the experience changed your life from that? What, what are you kidding me? Are yeah, you kidding what, me? What, have, what, what do you see that has just been an extreme? Because obviously not just career-wise. Some, something must – you can't go into a room of someone so powerful, so spiritual, so talented, and you're talented too, and learn and glean from him. And on some level, now you're a little bit more humble, or now you're a little bit more professional, or now you're mm-hmm. a little bit more something – that was added to you how were mm-hmm. other things added to your life from that experience this experience has changed my life in such a profound way that i can't imagine what my life would be without having had it uh it, 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 I, and when i think about my story it, it just it's really amazing it, and i don't I, I could not have planned for this to work out any better for me. I was introduced, I, I, you know, overnight. I quickly became uh, this city, you know, preeminent demo singer to a songwriter. Right. I didn't, re- I didn't realize that until uh, Barry Mann and Cynthia Wilde. Cynthia Wilde called me, who wrote Through the Fire, the demo of which I did, by the way, for Shaka, um, she called me one afternoon. She said, Taida, I just heard the song you wrote for Michael Jackson. And she said to me, honey, you are no longer a demo singer. You are a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And when she said that, it was so profound to me. I felt like I, I was like, yeah, yeah. And then I remember from that moment on, every time I signed an application for an apartment or for a credit card or for anything, and it said occupation. Oh my God! I was able to put songwriter. What an amazing thing! I right, great. <laughs> right, right. Now it's better when, than you know. It's better than singer. You know. Well, it's it's both because now you're a, a total package. It's now true. you're a songwriter. Now you're a singer. So now you have you're becoming a total producer that you yes. can do. You know. Yes. And the more you can do and do well, the more you're worth in this society. Right. That's absolutely right. Um, now, did you communicate with Michael after the project? Did you, you know, every now and then talk to each other? or? Uh, yeah, I toured with him for a year and a half. Saw him every night. <laughs> oh, okay. Every night on stage. And there, I have to tell you, he's, an, as you know, an unbelievable entertainer. And I toured with him for 16 months. And there were some nights, he was on point every night. His, the audience w- would not be able to tell uh, that he was better some nights than others. But there were some nights, y'all, 
where all of us on stage, after watching him do his thing, when the audience was clapping, we were like, shit. We, we had to clap. We were clapping for Michael, too. Like, you better go. We, he wow. just amazed us. He amazed us. Right, and and through the years, as you heard, all the, you know, he's been attacked from left to right and so forth, and we don't have to go into those types of things, but how did how did some of the things affect you emotionally and spiritually, and then you heard of his death? How did that affect you? I just thought it was such a sad ending for a brilliant, brilliant career. I, I just felt that it was... That all the drama that went along with him being who is what who he who he was kind of took away from his musical genius to the world, not to me, because um, I was asked like four days after he passed to uh, say something at at this church that I was frequenting uh, for a minute, Agape, and uh, they said, you know, we're doing this tribute to Michael. He died Thursday. This was Sunday, so so we would like for you to sing. And in the mirror of the choir, he's been rehearsing it, and we, we would love it if you. So I said, yeah, I'll do it. That whole, from from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was getting phone calls from Channel 2, 4, 7, 11, CNN, NBC, MSNBC, Hollywood Tonight, uh, Entertainment Tonight. All these people were asking me what I had to contribute to this frenzy about Michael Jackson. And I remember saying on stage to the to the to the congregation, I have nothing to add. I'm only a lover of his music and of his artistry and his creative talent. I have no input on all this drama. Mm. Wow. Um, before you performed with him, did you see him in concert? Like, like, did you go to his concert? No, no, no I'd never been. Mm-mm, no. Okay. Unfortunately. Okay. Now, have you written a book? No. <laughs> okay, that maybe you need to write a book. I got more living to do, so. Hmm. I got much more living to do. I got okay. other stuff to do. Well, I oh, I'm thinking a, a book about some of the. See, a lot of people for Michael. See what we see on TV mm-hmm. and what we've heard, but we've never seen the the relationship and the little things that you've experienced with him in the studio. Mm-hmm. And 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 maybe that is just a thought. Something. I mean, nine months to go from Q to Michael in a hit song. There's a story in there. That might be something that you might think of because people just like I'm asking you questions you could write about that yeah and I, talk about I think that once because it's once more about book, you at that point it's more about because you're going fast you're going from like you said like you like you were stating you are uh like a not even actually the singer singer but now you are a writer singer now right. and you were just kind of put in there so therefore you went through Mental changes and emotional changes to, to to and of happiness of greatness of you know all kind of different things. So that would be really interesting, you know, for people to read and learn, especially those that are going into becoming a songstress and writing yeah. music and so forth. 
That's a good point. I'll consider that. But uh, Quincy's writing a book right now um, that's coming out soon, so I have to wait for that. Right. And after Michael, what was what what happened next after Michael? After after you did the the touring with him, did you what did you do next? Uh, I continued writing songs, and you know I've I've written a couple of songs that have garnered me uh, Oscar nominations, and uh, I, I I just continue about going about the business of doing what I do as I always have. Uh, okay. My the next thing on my plate is a a, a new album for me because uh, when he passed, all I was bombarded, literally bombarded, emails, voice messages, letters, text messages, uh, uh, phone calls out the wazoo. Everybody asking me, you know, how am I doing? How do I feel? Am I okay? You know, with all this that's been going on, and. Uh, See, sometimes when I talk, I lose track of what I'm... What was your question? I'm sorry. Well, basically, after Michael, after oh, you did after, the tour, then, yeah. like, did you now start doing more writings for other people? And yes, did you, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Writing for other people and, uh, uh, you know, just uh, just writing for other artists and, uh, for their albums and, and writing for film and television is what I've been doing. And I've been really blessed. I've been nominated twice. Once for writing uh, Love You, I Do for Jennifer Hudson in Dreamgirls. And then uh, uh, with Sergio Mendes, a song I wrote in the movie Rio with Jamie Foxx. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And Dennis Edwards, who is Dennis? Okay. You remember when I told you that I met these songwriters at the auditions? Two of them were Dennis Lambert and Franny Goldie. They okay. had this song that they needed a, a, someone to sing, and so I went and I sang this demo. Um, when they delivered the song to Motown for Dennis's first solo album project, uh, this song was meant to be a duet between Dennis Edwards and Shaka Khan. Okay. But they could not get the two in the studio at the same time to get it done before the record was due to be released. And so they gave the song to Motown with me on it, me and Dennis. They were like, we can't find Chaka. Who's who's this thing in the demo? Saida Garrett. Fine. Put her on it. That's, that's awesome. how that came I mean, you are really also, the real deal. I'm trying to tell yeah. you. You are the real deal in the quiet <laughs> storm. I mean, you really are, and you don't know all the different things that people are doing behind the scene and 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 look at all the things that you've accomplished even afterwards. What what are some of your future plans? Finishing this uh album that I've been working on for the past year. Um I'm I'm nearly done and all Michael's fans are the ones that sort of encouraged me to do this cuz I was I was out of the being a recording artist. I just wanted to write for film and TV and for other recording artists cuz I don't like touring. I've toured with the best in the world, Madonna, Quincy, Michael. Hate it. So, wow. Uh, yeah, hated it. Couldn't stand it. It's, it's a gypsy lifestyle, and I'm a cancer. I like being home. I'm a home person. I like my creature comforts, you know. So right. touring for me was, was a hardship. So And I did it for a year and a half in the best way possible. I mean, we flew everywhere. Michael put the, the, the band and the singers and the crew. We all had, all, we had the plane. Uh, but uh, most tours now are bus tours, which are uh, just saying it makes me cringe. 
Um, so, yeah, I'm busy doing what I have to uh, to do to keep my creative process alive and my energy in that area alive. Oh, my God. Unfortunately, I have to I have to go. I have a, I have a 3 o'clock. Okay, well, you know what? We are just really, really so excited that the real deal has come on. You are definitely uh, the wind behind your wings that have been oh, flying. Thank you. And thank we would you. love for you to come back and talk about Madonna, and especially if that was the time when she was when when she was with Rob Dennis Rodman, and um, come back and talk no, about after, your new album. Was, I was I was with Madonna after her issue with Rodman. I was I was on the tour. I was on the reinvention tour, and she was happily married, and she just had Rocco, so she was. Oh, okay. She was good. Okay. And then, but definitely, we definitely want to hear more about your new album. Tell me, tell me this. When is Give us a website or someplace that people can get a hold of you because you have to go. Saida.com, S-I-E-D-A-H.com. Okay. You can follow me on Twitter at at Saida. Okay. Spell that, please. S-I-E-D-A-H-G-A-R-R-E-T-T. That's right. Well, you know from Leslie Jest and the Jest of Freedom and Black History and Urban Lifestyle Magazine and KRPR Media and Kymie Rochelle, we just thank you so much. You are just so open and so humble. You You are just awesome, and I look forward. You what? Where are you in New York right now? Right now I'm in New York, but I live and breathe in California. Okay, well, when you are back in L.A., give I live in, in California, close to L.A. I look mm-hmm. forward to meeting you one time. I would love to come over and, and just chat with you some more. So just thank, thank you, you so much. And, and thank uh, you. Yes, and you have any last things you'd like to say? Oh, this is what I'd like to say. No matter what the question, the answer is always love. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching. You're welcome. For listening Thank you. To, uh, the Jest of Freedom, and you could always look me up and go to my fan page at facebook.com forward slash KRPR firm, or you can follow me on Twitter at Kymie Rochelle, K-I-M-I-R-H-O-C-H-E-L-L-E. Thank you so much. Thank you, Leslie Jest and the Jest of Freedom and uh, her new radio station, um, Black History. She does a wonderful, wonderful job, and she definitely gets a lot of great interviews in that gives the the behind-the-scene interviews of so many, so many great people such as yourself, and it's great because we need to hear those types of things, And, 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 and you're just a powerful woman, so thank you so much. And thank you. Have a glorious day. No problem, and we are out. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.